Chapter Twenty Two of Aunt Jane's Nieces on the Ranch by L. Frank Baum. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Twenty Two. Faithful and True. Late that afternoon, Arthur and Louise sat in the court chatting with their guests, who were occupied in coddling and amusing Baby Jane, when Inez approached Mister Weldon and said that Miguel wished to speak with him. Send him here said Arthur and presently the old Mexican appeared again arrayed in his best clothes and with the red necktie carefully arranged He held his hat in his hand and looked uncertainly around the circle Then his eyes wandered to the nursery and through the open door. He saw Mildred sitting in a rocker engaged in reading a book Runyon had gone home that morning to see if the ranch is still there he said I have some private talks to make Miss Weld began the old ranchero Speak out Miguel said his master encouragingly. Oh But he said private Patsy reminded him I know Miguel understands that he may speak before my friends It is about Senor Cristoval Miss Weld. Yes. Well, what about him Miguel? I am one servant for Senor Cristoval I stay here in house with him long time when he gets sick before he die I care for him Doctor say to me that senor Cristoval cannot get well. I say so to senor Cristoval He say never mind he have lived long enough This was interesting to them all in view of the recent happenings and the girls bent nearer to hear the old man's story Arthur the major and uncle John were equally intent Senor Cristoval he say when he get very bad there is one thing he hate to leave and that is his money Continued Miguel He say money is his best friend all time, but he no can take money where he will go He is mad that many poor fools will spend the money he have love and cared for So he make me take three big bags of gold and drive to bank and put away so the poor fools will find it much more money is in bank too then when doctor come he asks me when he will die and doctor say when sun next shines senor cristoval will not see it doctor want to stay all night but senor cristoval pay and tell him go he want to die alone but i am there some time in night senor cristoval he call and say miguel i must not die till i have give to leighton what belong to him I have keep Leighton's money for him. I will show you where it is hid so you can give it to Leighton. Ah, they were intent enough now. Intuitively, each listener seemed to know that a secret was about to be revealed, and many glances were cast toward the unconscious Mildred, who continued to read placidly. But no one interrupted the old Mexican. I help Senor Cristoval to stand up. He is not strong, so I hold him. He walked from blue room to back room and there he showed me how to take block from wall Behind block is big place for money Senor Cristoval he say all money what belong to Leighton is there He tell me count it so I put Senor Cristoval in chair and he watch while I take out money and count There is four bag I count three bag and he say good it is right he say count last bag so I empty bag on floor and count gold and put in bag again When this is done I say 
is it right but senor cristoval say nothing i look up and senor cristoval is dead the old man spoke simply and quietly but they found his relation intensely dramatic patsy was trembling with excitement beth clasped louise's hand and found it cold from nervousness and then miguel said arthur then meestweld i put gold in wall and fix block so no one know and carry senor cristoval to his bed that is all meestweld and you told no one of leighton's gold i tell no one it is belong to leighton where is it now miguel in wall meestweld all of it all there was a moment's pause you know that it belongs to mildred to leighton's daughter he asked an accent of sternness in his voice i know meestweld then why did you not tell us of this before old miguel stood silent shifting from one foot to another his eyes cast down his slender brown figure spasmodically pressing the rim of his sombrero but when he spoke it was in his former quiet manner i am a bad man meestweld i think i keep gold for myself why not when no one know long time after senor cristoval die no one come here sometime i go to room and count gold when i see it i have bad thought i think it is nice if i keep all myself but when i go away and work in the grove i tell miguel many time that gold is not his it is leighton's gold i say when leighton come for it he must have it but leighton do not come many year the gold is mine and no one know then come leighton's girl and i know i am bad man if i keep gold but i say nothing i think no one ever know but tell me said arthur curiously what good is the money to you when it is hidden in a wall not much meestweld but i know i am rich i say i can buy ranch and be big man and no one know i have steal leighton's gold then why have you told us the secret miguel glanced toward the nursery i am man for work said he always i work always i must work i am old when i can no work i must die senor cristoval must leave gold when he die it is same with miguel now i have good job i can work and be happy but well miguel leighton's daughter she is a girl a girl cannot work like a man it is her gold not mine when you say it i will show you where leighton's gold is hid uncle john sprang up and grasped the man's hand you are an honest fellow miguel he cried no mr merrick was the reply i have wished to steal so i am not honest but you have given up the gold yes mr merrick because i am afraid i don't believe a word of it said patsy you were tempted to do wrong miguel and if you had kept silent no one would ever have known but you told us of the gold and so you are faithful and true ah that is what mees leighton tell me sometime said he and that is what spoil me from being bad because leighton say i am faithful and true i have think i must be that way that is it mildred's gold proved to be a small fortune 
Perhaps Cristoval had added to his partner's earnings for the child's sake, for the total amounted to more than she had ever expected. It was all in hard cash, and Arthur drove her to the bank and deposited it to the credit of Mildred Travis, as she preferred to retain that name. Patsy and Beth were curious to know what the girl would do with her windfall, but Mildred proved non-committal. "'How about Bull Run?' asked Patsy. Mildred smiled, but blushed deeply at the question. "'Would my money be enough to pay his mortgages?' she inquired. "'Perhaps,' said Beth. "'But that would be foolish. He would soon be in debt again.' "'No, no,' protested Patsy. "'I'm sure he will reform if—' "'If Mildred marries him?' "'Yes.' Mildred seemed troubled. "'The best way,' declared Beth, "'would be to have Mildred keep her money in her own name "'and help out in case of emergency.' "'Mildred approved that, "'and being pressed by the two girls, "'she frankly confided to them "'that she would accept Mr. Runyon when he came for his answer. "'Runyon appeared on the third day, "'and Arthur met him and told him the good news "'of the finding of Mildred's inheritance.' But the effect of this discovery on the big rancher was to overwhelm him with despair she will never marry me now he asserted in doleful tones and i'd rather die than ask her it would be beastly to take such an advantage of the poor child when she was poor i could offer her a home with good grace but now that she's rolling in gold the jig is up if you'll tell me where i can find old miguel i'll strangle the villain why in thunder couldn't he hold his tongue? Arthur laughingly replied that money wouldn't make a particle of difference with a girl like Mildred. But Runyon would not listen, and remained disconsolate. He stayed at the ranch, but moped around with a woe-begone countenance, and refused to speak with anyone. Patsy and Beth skillfully contrived several opportunities for Runyon to approach Mildred, but he ignored all chances and preferred to remain miserable the day passed without his demanding his answer mildred had been bright and expectant and the girls read her disappointment when her unaccountable wooer delayed putting his fortune to the test the next day he was no more cheerful but rather seemed to have accumulated an added gloom he sought a garden bench and smoked innumerable cigars in solitary grief if anyone approached, Runyon would retreat to the shrubbery. At mealtime he was likewise silent, but consumed enormous quantities of food, which made Patsy accuse him of being an impostor. "'No regulation lover,' she said to him, "'ever had an appetite. The novels all say so. Therefore you can't love Mildred a bit.' Runyon groaned, cast her a reproachful glance, and went on eating. Several days passed without his asking Mildred for her answer, and now the absurd situation began to get on all their nerves. Mildred herself grew impatient and watched from the nursery window the garden bench on which Runyon sat gloomily in his perpetual cloud of smoke. "'He'll make himself sick with those black cigars, I'm sure,' observed Patsy on one occasion. "'And he can't afford to smoke so many,' added Beth. Unless this thing stops, he'll soon have to take out a new mortgage. Or sell some lemons, added Patsy. I believe, said Mildred slowly, as if summoning her courage, I will speak to him myself. Don't you think that would be best? Of course, approved Patsy. 
Runyon is a big baby and needs a nurse more than little Jane. I'll hold Toodlums, Mildred, while you sally forth and take the bull by the horns. Mildred looked at Beth for counsel. Unless you speak to him, said that young lady, you will never get together. Moreover, the rest of us will grow mad or idiotic. So for all our sakes, you'd better take Mr. Runyon in hand. You'll have to manage him afterward, anyhow, so the sooner you begin, the better. Mildred handed little Jane to Patsy and left the nursery. Through the window, the other girls watched her approach Mr. Runyon and stand before him. At once he stood up and threw away his cigar, but his face was toward them, and they could see that he did not speak. Mildred, however, was talking very earnestly. Runyon shook his head. He turned half away. Then he swung sharply around and caught the girl in his arms. Come, Beth, said Patsy. Let's go and tell Louise. End of chapter 22 End of Aunt Jane's Nieces on the Ranch by L. Frank Baum Read by Lynn Thompson in the Willamette Valley